So glad that you're here this morning and uh, you can say uh, Merry Christmas now. Uh, it's legal and we won't get any scowls. And, uh, but we are so glad that you're here and a uh, beautiful day and uh, just thankful for the opportunity we have to gather in God's house and to worship Him. And uh, If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John. And yeah, one of the things that, especially children and those that are children at heart, even if they're grown up, uh, love about Christmas, it's gifts. Uh, and gifts are an important part of Christmas, but it's not in the getting of the gifts. It's in the giving of the gifts. That's where the real joy and the magic is. And, and God understood that principle. Uh, it's not the verse we're going to look at this morning, but God gave the greatest gift uh, that we, anyone would ever receive. Uh, and we find John 3.16, you probably know it. It's a good one to commit to memory. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I sure am thankful for that great gift that God gave over 2,000 years ago, that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. And the story from Genesis all the way through Revelation really is about gifts that God gives. God is a great gift giver. Uh, and so let's take a look. We're going to look at John chapter 1, uh, the first 18 verses this morning. And we're going to see, we're going to talk all month about the gifts of Christmas and the things that God has given to us. Uh, four things that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. And the first is this, that God gave us the gift of a Savior. And again, that is the greatest gift uh, of all of them. And so let's take a look. Beginning in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory and the glory of, uh, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. 
and of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. And this is an unusual Christmas verse. Uh, text, but certainly we find here, wrapped up in these 18 verses, the wonderful message of Christmas, that God gave us the great gift of a Savior, because though God created, and, and John tells us that Jesus was there at the beginning and was involved in creation, that he says there was nothing that was created that wasn't created by Jesus. In other words, Jesus was there for all of it. Uh, and in fact, Paul tells us that Jesus holds, continues to hold the world together uh, and is, is, continues that work of, of creation. And uh, I'm thankful that God just doesn't recreate, but because he's creator, he can also recreate us. Because we all, because of sin, need recreating. And I'm thankful that God gives a gift that we couldn't buy because we couldn't afford it. We couldn't earn it. There was nothing we could do to receive this great gift. And so God himself gave the gift. And so uh, we find three important things about this gift of the Savior. And the first is this, that it is a Savior that came. Way back Beginning in Genesis chapter 3, we find the first hand of the gospel where God pronounces judgment on Adam and Eve and on the serpent. But in the midst of that pronunciation, he gives us a glimpse of the gospel. And then the rest of the story unfolds all the way through the book of Revelation of how God is working to bring redemption to mankind. How that on that Christmas morning, 2000. And some years ago, the greatest gift would be born in a little town called Bethlehem. You see, Isaiah, in Isaiah 7, 14, you remember, he said that there would be a virgin that would have a child. He says in verse 9, in chapter 9, rather, he reveals some more about the work that Jesus would accomplish. In fact, the book of Isaiah is chock full of prophecies about the Savior that would come. That so many that John Wesley calls it the gospel of Isaiah. As you see, Christianity, the thing that sets a relationship apart from all other religions, is Christianity isn't about religion, it's about a relationship. And it's about a relationship with the great gift of Savior that came. See, every other religion, you've got to work and you've got to be good enough and you've got to do these various things. But God says, you know what? None of that can make you right. All you have to do, and the only thing any of us can do, the only action that we can take, is to receive a gift that's already been given. And here's the thing, the only gift, the only Savior that has ever come, although many people have claimed to be saviors, there's only one that's truly delivered on that promise. 
and his name was Jesus. And he's the only one that lived a sinless life and then laid that life down on the cross of Calvary and shed his innocent blood for my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all the whosoever's in the world, that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. And so the great thing and the important thing to remember about Christmas and gifts is that the Savior came. It's not that we're looking for the day when he comes. Although just as he came the first time, he's coming again. And we do look forward to that. But this message of Christmas and the season of Advent reminds us that a Savior came just as God promised that he would. And that's good news. And that's what this season is about. You see, it's not about what's under the tree. And it's not even about the parties and the fun that you have. It's not even about the nativity story and the pageants and the things that we go to and the the carols that we sing. All those things are well and good in their place, but that's not what Christmas is really about. Christmas is really about God sending a Savior and that that Savior actually showed up. And the thing is, he didn't show up in a palace in a wealthy family born into royalty. He was king of kings and lord of lords, and yet he came as the son of a carpenter. And you'll remember perhaps, perhaps you've heard the story before a time or two. When Jesus is conceived, mom and dad ain't married. Scandal. It would make the front pages of the tabloids in today's world. And it was just as scandalous in the first century. But oh, how important it is that he came as he did. Because he came as a lowly son of Joseph and Mary. God reminds us that it's not just the rich and powerful that can find favor with God. In fact, Jesus shows us, even from his birth, that the way to find favor with God and the path to get to God is humility. It's by humbly recognizing and acknowledging that you're a sinner. A sinner that needs a Savior. But also humbly recognizing and accepting you can't save yourself Because if you could have saved yourself, there would have been no reason for Jesus to come. But the reality is you can't save yourself. And you can't save anybody else either. But there is one who can save anybody that will receive him. Because the gift has already been purchased. Jesus already came. Jesus already led a sinless life and then laid his life down on the cross of Calvary to pay my sin debt. He paid for my sinfulness and your sinfulness. So that we could, instead of being full of sin, we could instead be full of grace and truth. Jesus came. And in fact, there's historical evidence that Jesus was a real person. 
and that the events of his life that are recorded for us in the Gospels actually occurred. So it is important to remember that the Savior came. And that is the greatest of gifts, is in Jesus' coming. So the Savior came, but also, secondly, we want to see that we find here in these 18 verses a reminder that we have a Savior that is full of grace and truth. You see, the, the miracle and the wonder of the story of Christmas is that God does so love the world. The reality is God knows the reality of this world. He knows how dirty and sinful and yucky it is. And he knows how dirty and sinful and yucky the people that live in this world are. And yet he loves us, all of us, so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary. Grace, you perhaps have heard the acronym for grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is that wonderful truth that we do not take the punishment that we deserve. Jesus took it for us. And I'm thankful for that great gift. But we also have to be reminded in this message in, in these gifts of Christmas as we were looking at them this month that it's just not grace. John takes great care to mention a few times in these short verses that God is full of grace and truth. The grace that was willing to love us so much that he paid a sin debt that we owed. But a truth that couldn't just wipe away a sin debt because that wouldn't have been just and right. Nor is it just grace that says, well, just go and live however you want to, do what you want to, and God's just going to forgive you in the end so it'll all be okay. That's not what the Bible teaches. And that's not how God's people are called to live their life. And so John reminds us, as he begins this gospel with the Christmas story, that the Savior came and that he was full of grace and truth. And the truth was that every single human being was born separated from God and has this disease called sin. But the truth also is that there are some that will reject him. Boy, this is what John's big point here is in these verses. He said, listen, God created this world, created everything in it, including all the people in it, including you and me. And he came to this broken, fallen world in the form of a human being. He looked and behaved just like me and you. It's hard for me to imagine, perhaps it is for you too, that Jesus had stinky diapers. That he, he cried and fussed. I'm sure he did because he was fully human. And the Bible tells us that he experienced humanity in every degree, in every aspect, just like we do. Yet there was one big difference with him. 
He didn't sin. And all of us, me and you, we can't do anything but sin on our own. It's ingrained in us. It comes naturally to us. We don't have to even work at it. And yet Jesus came full of grace and truth. And the reality is that though that gift was made available to everyone, not everybody receives it. And you imagine how goofy it would be. I promise you, try it out next week, I dare you. Bring me a gift and see if I don't take it. Now, it may be a gift I don't really want, but I'll try to smile. And I'm not very good at fate. You know, Leslie can always tell if I like something or not. And she'd make because the face that I make. And so, oh, yeah, it's good, darling. Uh, and she knows it's not because of the face that I make. So I don't even try to pretend anymore. I'm like, no, this is gross. Um, yeah, but I'll still eat it uh, and give it to the dog maybe when she's not looking. Um, and then when they don't even take it, I know it's really not good. Uh, I should have said that. Let's reverse that. But anyway, I'll take your present. Because why? Because that's what we do. That's why somebody gives you a present. Listen, I don't buy, you don't buy. None of us buy presents for anyone and then expect them not to take it. Now, there are occasionally Leslie buys me presents that she really wants. Uh, and she said, well, here's your present, and the reason she gave it to me was because she wanted it. And I probably do that some too. Maybe you do too. But we don't give presents that we don't expect people to receive, to take. And yet that's exactly what happened when Jesus came. Jesus came looking just like us. And he preached a message of forgiveness and hope and restoration. And the people in his town didn't listen one bit to him. He said, isn't that that ruggy, snot-nosed kid of Joseph the carpenter's? Indeed, thinking that carpenter's son is going to be the savior of the world. <laughs> Ridiculous. They rejected Jesus. But he still came. And by the way, I think, because God knows everything, he's not limited by time and space like we are. And he knows that there will be some that reject his offer of salvation. There will be some that reject. I'm going to tell you something. I've told you, you know, you bring me a gift, I'm going to take it. I may give you a gift, you may not want it. Do me a favor, take it anyway. You know, if I gave you a gift, you say, no, I don't want that. It'd break my heart. And I tell you, it breaks God's heart when people reject the gift that he gave. And you know what? We might be, humanly speaking, say, well, if they're not going to receive my gift, I'm just not going to give them gifts ever again, and I'm not going to give anybody any gifts either because I'm mad at that one person that wouldn't take my gift. Will we do it? No. That's ridiculous. But God knows that the joy of gifts is not in getting the gift. It's in giving the gift. And though, you know, some of you teenagers here, you, you don't understand that probably just yet. 
Because there's a lot of joy in getting gifts. I'm going to lie, I like getting gifts. It's good. Sometimes I'll, go, I'll buy my own gifts just so I can get a gift. Sometimes I wrap it. And then act surprised when I open it because I forgot that I bought it and wrapped it up. But I promise you, and all of you that are older here today can testify true, you get much more joy out of giving a gift to someone than you do in getting a gift. And again, it's not that getting gifts isn't good. It is! But it is so much better giving them. And God knows that. And perhaps God designed it. In fact, I do think God designed it that way. And if there's anything that, you know, we are, we are called as God's people through the New Testament, we're to be givers. Why? Jesus said, I came that your joy might be full. And this is how our joy gets full. It doesn't get full by us hoarding it and saying, listen, let me take this joy, hold it here, let me go get some more, hold it here, because then you can't get any more because your arms are full. But when you say, hey, let me get this joy, let me share it, then not only are you full of joy, but you've helped somebody else have some joy. And when you've given out some joy, then you can receive more. And that's the wonderful thing. And so Jesus says, I've come full of grace and truth. That's very important that we remember. And the truth is, there'll be some that will reject the gift, but God still gave anyway. Chances are, when God offered you the gift of salvation, the first time you were presented the gospel, chances are you didn't accept that gift. And yet somebody kept offering the gift. Maybe a lot of different people kept offering that gift. And maybe finally you came to the point where you said, all right, I'm going to stop being stupid and receive this great gift. And you accepted the great gift, the offer of salvation that Jesus gave. So another truth is that we can't just offer the gospel once. We've got to keep offering it. Because that's what God did for us. The reality is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that all includes you. And includes me. And yet the Bible also says that God so loved the world, that God died for all, that Jesus paid the price of sin for all. But that doesn't mean that everybody's just going to be saved. But it does, and John says it here. He says, those that receive the gift will. And remember that then you'll be full of grace and truth. So our lives should be modeled and full of grace and truth. Uh, because that's what we receive from the Savior. And then lastly... And perhaps this was the point of it all, is not only do we have a Savior that came, and not only do we have a Savior that's full of, of grace and truth, but we lastly have a Savior who gives new life. And that's the point of the whole Gospel of John. 
John, perhaps more than all of the other Gospels, talks about and emphasizes life. Because John understood that when Jesus Christ comes into someone's life, they receive the gift of salvation, it changes them. And so they do not bec- they're no longer what they once were. They're something different and something so much better. Paul says it this way. He said, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and all things have become new. You see, what we think that we need is just Jesus polishing us up a little bit. Maybe replacing a few parts, rebuilding us. But that's not the way God works. The Bible says that when we become in Christ, God makes us brand new. And I sure am thankful for the life that we have in Christ. So he says, listen, God came to, that we might have life. But he points out over and over again that that life is not just in our own strength and in our own power. Our life comes through who? It comes through Jesus. And the reality is we only begin living when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life, when we receive that greatest Christmas gift that was ever given in the little town of Bethlehem in a, a stall uh, you know, almost 2,000 years ago. So Jesus came. Jesus is full of grace and truth. And Jesus gives new life. And again, what a shame it is that God offers that new life and yet some reject it. And even after we've received it, listen, there's a reality and a truth that we need to think about before we wrap up this morning. And that's that, you know what? We can celebrate that gift and we say, yeah, I'm saved and I've received that gift of salvation. But do you know you can forget that you've gotten a gift? going through a box of clothes last week, and I found the first gift that Leslie ever gave me was a green khaki sweater. We were dating on our first Christmas, and I still have that sweater. Uh, it doesn't fit anymore because it's too big, but, uh, and I almost put it in a box. It was almost in that box. I said, no, I can't give this away. I hadn't seen that sweater in a, in a long time because, listen, Mississippi... There's about four days out of the year you can wear sweaters. And so it's been kind of out of sight, out of mind. Not that that gift wasn't important. I just hadn't thought about it in a long time. Well, that's kind of silly, but can I tell you that sometimes we as God's people, we forget about the gift of salvation that we receive. We put it in a box and we forget that it's there. How unfortunate that is. Because we miss out on the new life that Christ died on the cross of Calvary for. You see, salvation and the gift of Christ is not something that's to be put in a box and put on a shelf in a closet somewhere and then pulled out in December. 
It's something that's to be lived 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And to remember that we have new life. That when Jesus Christ became the Lord of our life, he made us new. And what a glorious thing that is. But here's the thing. Just like old uh, Solomon, he said in Ecclesiastes, he said, morning by morning, new mercies, I see. He said, you know what? Every day I wake up, I see something new that God has given. God intends for us to experience new life every single day. Not just once a while. And not even just once a week on Sunday when we go to church. But God expects us to experience Him even on Monday when we head to the workplace. On Friday when we're at the ball game. Saturday when we're out in the tree hunting deer. Or when we're doing whatever it is we're doing. God expects us to have new life. And that's the wonderful thing. The greatest gifts are gifts that don't break. And the gifts that last a long time. Not sure how much money Leslie spent on that sweater, but it, it was a good sweater. It's lasted a long, long time. Been married for 18 years, and that sweater's probably 20 years old or better. I've got, lot, you know pants and other things, you know, that and you probably do shirts and other sweat that, you know, don't last a week. You know, that you wear them once and then they're all falling apart. And... But here's the thing about the gift of Jesus. He never falls apart. He never breaks down. He never gets too busy. He never runs out of power. He's always there. He says, I am a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I sure am thankful for that. And so no matter what gifts you may have gotten over the lifetime, I can assure you that there's not one greater than the gift of a Savior whose name is Jesus. And friend, I hope you've received that gift. And if you haven't, then today would be a great day. This would be a great way to start the month of Advent uh, in 2023 is for you to receive that gift. But if you have received that gift, then you need to remember that God intends for you to use that gift and to experience that gift every single day. And so do. You know, I've given Leslie lots of jewelry uh, over the years. And as far as I'm concerned, she ought to be a walking case store every week. She ought to wear every ring, every bracelet, every necklace, every... You know, whatever I've given. She ought to wear it every day. She doesn't, but, you know, probably that's a good thing, but... Why? Because I like to know that she likes the things that I've gotten her. And when she doesn't wear them, I, my thinking is she doesn't like it. She doesn't wear it. Well, she can't wear it all. But here's the thing, you can wear all of Christ. And God wants you to. And this world needs you to because they need to see it on you. So they say, you know what? If it can look good on her, it can look good on me too. Uh, and so let's make a point to share the greatest gift that was ever given this Christmas season. As you go through parties and you know, gather with family and friends and coworkers, make Jesus the central part 
of those gatherings and an important message. That the greatest gift is not stuff, but a Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift that you came 2,000 years ago for me. And you lived a perfect, sinless life for me. And then 30 years later, laid that life down and shed that innocent blood for my sin debt. But not just my sin debt, but the sin debt of all the whosoever's in the world. Because you love all of us. And you offer the gift of salvation to all the whosoever's. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, maybe we need to be reminded that Christmas is not about stuff, it's not about lights, it's not about parties, it's not about how much we spend on gifts. It's about the greatest gift that was ever given, and it was given 2,000 years ago. It was the Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to remember that. Help us to walk in that newness of life every day. Thank you for that great gift. May we never take it for granted. May we never forget about it. May we never put it on a shelf or in a closet in a box. But may we use it every single day and be thankful for it every single day. Help us, we pray. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. And if God spoke to your heart and there's a decision you need to make today, what a great way to start Advent. This Christmas season of waiting for Jesus' birthday to get here. Then to receive that great gift. Let's sing together.